You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, guys. It's all about Jesus. Like, that's how I'm going to start, that's how I'm going to finish. It's all about Jesus, come what may. And I think it's amazing that the pictures and the words that we've heard today are really speaking into this, come what may, it's all about Jesus. Whatever is in your peripheral right now, come what may, Jesus. Come what may. Uh, It's a phrase that we all use, I guess. Uh, You might say things like, you know, come what may, I'll be there. All right, particularly if it was your first date, I'll be there. Come what may, I'm going to be there. Or, you know, maybe you love your kids. Come what may. Like, no matter what happens, you're going to love them. Come what may. Maybe you're like, I'm going to serve. Come what may. No matter what happens. Or maybe I'll support Scotland. Come what may. (laughs) Sorry, cheap shot. (laughs) Cheap shot. By the way... I, wa- I was going to open my message this morning and go, Borada, how's it going? It's lovely, isn't it? I love it in Wales. <laughs> Marvellous. I'll do the whole preach in a Welsh accent. Um, I, I support Wales, I'm sorry. I do apologise. I learned to love rugby while I lived in Wales, so there you go. I, 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 I was happy that you beat England last week. There you go. Take, take that. Lena's going to burn me at the stake after the meeting, so if you're feeling cold, bring your marshmallows. Like, I'll, I'll be a human torch for you. Um, you know, a couple of great songs come to mind. When, using the phrase, come what may, like if any of you love a bit of Ewan McGregor crooning and he sings, and there's no mountain too high, no river too wide, sing out this song and I'll be there by your side. I'm not actually going to sing it. Storm clouds may gather and stars may collide, but I'll love you. Until the end of time, come what may. Ewan's better looking than me, but (laughs) that's about it. Um, Ronan Keating, Boyzone, they sang the song, No Matter What. You know, no matter if the sun don't shine or if the skies are blue, no matter what the end is, my life began with you. No matter what, come what may, it's all about Jesus. What's your come what may? What's your line in the sand? Is it Jesus? Paul's come what may is it's all about Jesus so we've been in this book of Philippians for like 50 years <laughs> right actually we've been in it for 2,000 years near enough you know that kind of era but but we're in this book and Paul is in prison he's in chains he's chained to another person I mean you, you can't get away if you're a bit of an introvert you're stuffed because you're literally chained to somebody and he's filled with this uncertainty of circumstance around him and we'll see that soon because he says if I live or if I die that he doesn't know the answer to that yet Uh, and so there's this uncertainty trouble behind and trouble ahead and yet come what may it's all about Jesus he's rejoicing we saw that a couple of weeks ago as we got into those verses what happened to me I'm rejoicing because it has served to advance the gospel And as we'll read on in a minute, he says, I continue to rejoice. He wants to underline this to us. I am rejoicing because what has happened to me has been good for the advance of the gospel. And I'm going to continue rejoicing as well, come what may. Can you hear that in the way that Paul 
speaks, the joyful, the thankful, come what may. This is really getting to the nub of what this letter is all about. It's all about Jesus. In fact, it'll probably be 2024, but we'll get to chapter 2. Uh, and we'll see this wonderful poem that talks about Jesus and it puts him right into the center of everything that this letter has to bring the church. It's all about Jesus. You know, it's one thing to be chained up in prison. It's another thing to be knowing that you're awaiting the trial of your life or maybe the trial for your life. But Paul's verdict is already in. It's all about Jesus. Come what may. All things, all seasons. Look, if you want to know joy, if you want to know peace, if you want to know security, it's all about Jesus. You you can chase it in other places, but it will let you down. Your peace will be fragile. Your joy will be temporary. There'll be no actual security because the minute someone comes along and threatens you, if your security is placed in your body, in in your happiness, in, in your home, in your money, in your finances, if it's placed in any of those things, somebody can come and threaten that. Your security is weak security. And yet, if it's in Jesus... Your security has come what may. Uh, As we're going to see over the next few weeks, Paul say, in life and death, come what may. Come what may. That's where my security lies. That's where my peace lies. You find it in Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else that you need will be added to you. So here's Paul today. He says, yes. This is uh, Philippians 1, uh, the tag end of verse 18, going through to uh, sort of 21, I think, today. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, come what may. He didn't say that, but I think we can see that in the way that he says it. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So it's turning out for the, it's already turned out for the advance of the gospel. Now it's turning out for his deliverance. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, come what may, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, come what may. And then he says, and we'll get into this in the coming weeks, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so we are going to break this over a few weeks uh, and we're going to look at Christ being our hope in life and death. And then afterwards, we're going to close out chapter one by taking a painful look at suffering and the purpose of suffering. Because there's not one person in this room who has escaped suffering in your life yet, unless you're so little that you haven't even experienced what life is all about yet. You all have something comes to mind when you think of suffering. And so we're going to deal with that because it is a fact of life and it's not useless. Your suffering has meaning to it. And that's good news. Why does God allow suffering? We'll get into that, but there's meaning behind it. There's purpose in it and it's achieving something that is far greater than anything you can chase after in this world but here in our text now he says i continue to rejoice for i know there's an assurance right there for i know he doesn't say for i think 
For I'm pretty sure, for I speculate that. He says, for I know that this will work out for my deliverance through your prayers and God's provision of the Holy Spirit. How can we know? We need the fuel for knowing. And that's all I'm going to look at today. Two things within this uh, that are our fuel for knowing. I mean, have any of you ever put the wrong fuel in your car? <laughs> You're a pilot, that's scary. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Not going in your plane. <laughs> I'm joking. But, like, have any of you actually got out into the middle of nowhere and run out of fuel? You know, if you, if you want to have a secure and safe journey where you get from start to finish, you get to where you're intending to get, you better make sure you've got enough of the right type of fuel to last the journey, right? Uh, and if you know, because electric guitar, guitars, <laughs> they're not very good modes of transport. <laughs> like, I just put that out there. Electric cars... They're a bit useless still, aren't they? Because you can only get to, like, Livingston before you have to recharge it again. But, so what you need to do in a car is, if you haven't got enough fuel to last the distance, you need to make sure that you've got places where you can get that fuel filled back up again. And that's what Paul's talking about here. The right type of fuel and enough of it. And, and keep being filled with it if you want to go the distance. What do you put in the tank if you want the assurance of knowing? Paul's fuel here, his two things are prayer and the gift of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Two things that will fuel your life so that you can say in life and in death, come what may, it's all about Jesus. Prayer. It's not the only thing for our spiritual health, but it is a significantly important thing. Okay, you can't have a healthy body if you don't have a healthy air supply. I mean, look at you, you're all sat here with masks because the air supply isn't exactly healthy. Well, hopefully it's okay in this room right now. Okay, don't, don't panic, nobody leave. All right. but, but we're all wearing masks because we're worried about the air supply. Okay, so if you want health, then you need a clean air supply. You need a healthy water supply. You, you need a healthy food supply, and you need a healthy exercise regime, which is why I don't really have a healthy body, right? <laughs> because I'm sucking it in right now, literally. I, I might look like you and McGregor, but I am literally... I'm wearing a man corset here. I mean, that's, what, that's literally what this is. It's holding me in. And I know this has been repeated a few times, the importance of prayer, and I make no apology for that. We're going to keep hitting that drum. Because it is so important. We've got a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. It's online. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can drop in and, and you can join in that prayer meeting because prayer will shift things. It will shift things for you. It will shift things for me. It will shift things for this town. It is supremely important. Prayer. Uh, we covered it in the last series where we were looking at the battle that we face spiritually. We, we, we covered it recently in this message where Paul was talking about his prayer for the Philippians. Uh, and actually, if you go way back before COVID, if you can remember that time, we, we actually had a whole message on the Lord's Prayer and what that actually means. It is so important. So if you get nothing else from this this morning, get this. Your prayer life matters. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter if you feel like you don't have the words. 
It doesn't matter if you feel like you're not as clever as like someone else who, who prays. You know, when Ian prays, there's this rich tapestry of, of biblical language that just flows like naturally from him. That shows actually a lifetime of just resting in and delighting in the word. You don't have to be like Ian when you're praying because you can come as an infant. An infant can get its parents' attention and, and, and get the point across. They might not have a degree in English, but they get their point across. You look at James. If he wants chocolate, he's going to get chocolate. Well, you know, obviously, if, if you fold, he's going to get chocolate. <laughs> look to your left and to your right. The prayer life of the person on your left and right matters to you. Consider that. It matters. This church gets stronger as our prayers get stronger. It's not strength in numbers. It's strength in the prayers of a righteous person that avails much. And that it's the righteousness of Christ. It, prayer is not a task to be ticked, a milestone to be achieved, a badge of honor, an entry point to acceptance. No. It is a source of joy. It is power for living. And it is a pathway to maturity as a believer. Praying matters. And yet we struggle with it so much. That's why we keep coming back to it and saying, dude, come on, guys. Get involved in this. And we've, we've seen Paul's prayer for them. I mean, who wouldn't want the Apostle Paul having a quick prayer for them, right? I mean, that's amazing. But here, he values that they pray for him. He commends it. He even solicits it, really. He, he's kind of insane. He's saying, keep it coming, guys. Keep it coming. Because of the great benefit towards his own deliverance. And that word we'll get to in a couple of weeks' time, but it's a super important word. A part of the fuel that keeps Paul's fire burning brightly is the prayers of the church. Or prayers of churches, because he even commends the, the Corinthian church. And he says in, in, in Corinthians 1, uh, verses 10 to 11, he says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Wow. So God's role in deliverance in my life actually to some degree is helped by your prayers. If you want to see this church reach this town in this season, if you want this church to be a family, if you want to have this church being a light to the world in Bowness, then pray. If you want to see shift, if you want to see breakthrough, if there's something you don't like or something that you would like, pray. Pray as your first, your first kind of action. First action is to pray. We don't want to wait till the leaders say, hey, we're running this program. We, we don't want to wait until so inclined people say, hey, we're going to go out and do this. Pray, pray, pray. You can do that. Whether you've got any other tools in your toolbox or not, you can all pray. The fuel for what comes next in Riverview Church is prayer. It's prayer. It's not good intentions. It, it, it's not degrees in theology. It's not great understanding of practice in evangelism, things like that. The fuel to where Riverview goes now in this town is prayer. That's it. That's it. Prayer. But that's not it because <laughs> we also need the spirit of Jesus Christ in our midst, empowering those prayers. 
You know, one of the Spirit's major functions, and I'll get to that in just a few minutes, but one of his major functions is to take your prayers, your fumbled prayers, your, your prayers that you can't even put into words, your, your, your groaning kind of prayers, and he takes them and he presents them to the Father in a way that the Father accepts those prayers like incense. Like somewhere in Revelation, John is on the Isle of Patmos and he has this vision and there's a big bowl and there's incense rising up out of this bowl and it is the prayers of the saints that are rising. You create a nice smell when you pray. That's better than the lynx effect. (laughs) I've got a question here though, because Paul uses the term the spirit of Jesus Christ. And the question is, is this the same spirit as the person of the Holy Spirit? And the short answer is yes. There's a way longer answer. And this is why I prayed at the beginning. And actually, I'm going to defer myself to Len here so he can correct me. And I stand in front of all of you. If I say anything out of turn today, John, I know you're a bit of a theologian as well and a Greek and Hebrew scholar, so please correct me anywhere that I make a mistake here because this is super important. I think this is going to be the kind of thing that in detail we we throw to a a sofa Sunday so we can talk it out properly or or that we put it into the Go Deeper notes so we can really study it properly because we're kind of touching upon the doctrine of the Trinity right here and right now and it's a huge subject. It's a subject that through the ages people have got wrong time and time again and they've built these things called heresies out of it. By the way, heresy does not mean go burn that person. Heresy just means insufficient So our models of the Trinity through history have often been insufficient to actually actively describe who God is. It's so big that we're not going to get through that in the time restrictions I have on a Sunday morning. And it isn't the main focus of what Paul is doing here. Paul is talking uh, not about form, but about function. You understand? He's not making a Trinitarian statement there, even though it fits into that, but he's saying about the Spirit of Jesus Christ because of the function, because of what the Spirit does. But just in case you're new to Christianity or unfamiliar with this central teaching, I'm going to be so basic here. We believe in one God in three persons. One God, three persons, distinct characters of the same substance. We're monotheists. When, when Muslims criticize uh, and, and Jews criticize Christians because they're like, well, you're not monotheist because you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How can you say that you're monotheist? No, we are monotheists. We believe in one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look, we don't believe in three different gods. That's a heresy called triism. Okay, uh, tritheism, sorry. Uh, we don't believe in one God who is at different times, like morphed himself into different things. That's called modalism. And that's not what we believe. We believe in one God who simultaneously and eternally exists in three persons. And this is so good because this means, get ready for this, heaven was not vacant when Jesus died on the cross. God didn't relinquish control. God didn't relinquish his sovereignty. He, he, he didn't let go of the world for three days and go, <laughs> have it your way. He was still God. 
Jesus died on the cross. The Father didn't die on the cross. The Holy Spirit didn't die on the cross because it was the Holy Spirit who three days later raised him in power. And that same Spirit is alive in you. That same power is alive in you. So here in our text, Paul's use of the phrase, it seems to parallel the Old Testament phrase, the Spirit of God. Think about Genesis 1. It says the Spirit of God was hovering above the waters. In Job 33, 4, it says the Spirit of God has made me. Uh, And then there's other uses that are similar, like to this same phrase in the New Testament. Luke uses it. In Acts 16, 7, he says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. The same kind of similar phrase. I mean, Paul says the spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke says the spirit of Jesus. Um, in Galatians 4, so this is Paul again. He says, but you are his sons. And that's male and female, by the way. You are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship who, who gives you the ability to cry out Abba Father to Father God. And then in Romans 8, 9, we see both of these terms kind of interchangeably. Paul says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God, there's the first one, lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to God. Look, very simply, I want to tell you all these references, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Okay, but I am not saying that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the same person. They are distinct. I'll finish that thought in a second. Think about this. Jesus, his whole life points to the Father. His mission on earth is to point to the Father. Uh, And he says to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're still two different characters, but they're still the one God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Colossians 1.15 says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the physical face of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Okay. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. But Father, Son, and Spirit, one God. One God. Simultaneously and eternally existing in three persons. Now, the reason... That the, are you still with me, by the way? <laughs> it's quite like... Um, the reason the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus Christ the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of His Son, is because He was sent by Jesus to point to Jesus and His work. Not because they're the same person, okay? But as I said before, Paul is not talking about form, but about function here. What does the Spirit do? (laughs) How much time do I have and where do I begin? My word. Teacher, comforter, counselor, sanctifier, fruit cultivator. 
gift giver. Like he is wisdom and revelation. He's the provider of wisdom and revelation. He convicts the world of sin. He infills the life of the believer. He is the seal, the guarantee, the deposit, so that we can say, come what may, life and death. It's all about Jesus. He guides us in truth. He enables us to live for Christ. You think you've got this? You haven't. You think you've got the ability to live a righteous and holy life? You haven't. The Spirit enables that life in you. And he equips us to testify to Jesus. You might not be an evangelist, but if you know Jesus and if you have the Spirit of Jesus in your heart, then you are equipped to testify in some way, in some form, in your life, in your words, in your actions, in your character, you testify to Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit who enables that within us. I mean, that's incredible, right? That's, that's huge. I think there's a danger that, particularly in charismatic and Pentecostal churches, which we are, that we can get so focused on the incredible and sometimes weird things that the Holy Spirit might do in our midst. Or we get so focused, and I just want to get into church and have this, this kind of feeling where, where you know God's present because there's this power in the room. And that's great. But if we focus on that, we are cheapening the Holy Spirit. Sorry. <laughs> We're cheapening the Holy Spirit if we make it about signs and wonders. The signs and wonders point to Jesus. They're not there to make us go, ooh, that's cool. They're there to point to Jesus. They point our hearts to Jesus. They highlight him. They illuminate him. They say it's all about him. And that's the Holy Spirit's function in our lives. The gift of tongues, which is a, a, a gift individually for a believer, is a gift to point you to Jesus, to, to edify your own heart as you, as you meet with Jesus. But that, don't get lost in that gift. There's so much that the Holy Spirit does. And we cheapen him. Because we want to see somebody's leg grow two inches. You know, I do believe in miracles. I'm not a cessationist. I've seen them happen. It's happened in my own life. It's happened in such ridiculous, miraculous ways. But I've never, in 2,000 years, since Peter jumped out of the boat, heard of one person documented who's walked across a sea. Don't get too lost in that. The Holy Spirit does incredible things. Even when we don't see it, he's working. And I'm not doing down on us as Pentecostals because I want to see more of what the Spirit is doing in our midst. And I think we've seen that today and how that worship just rose up out in our midst today. It's the Holy Spirit in our midst moving that. The words that we've heard today, the reason they connect is because the Holy Spirit has been connecting them. Amen. Okay? And you might come in here today and feel something tangible. And that's the Holy Spirit's work. So I'm not doing down on that. I'm just saying, guys, like you're taking the top of the iceberg and you're missing the chunk underneath. That is power and stability. 
His primary role reveals Jesus, points to Jesus, makes us like Jesus. It's all about Jesus, come what may. The Holy Spirit is presenting us before the Father as children of God, and that is what we are, like Jesus. I'm not like Jesus in my life, am I? Like, but it's the Holy Spirit that is presenting me like Jesus before Father God so that I can be a child of God and call out from that position, Abba, Father. Amen. That's the Spirit's work. The Spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. By which we can stand. This is what Paul says, that we can stand before God unashamed, confident, with hope. It's all about Jesus, come what may, that it will work out for our deliverance. I'm going to start bringing this in. The Spirit has a major role in our deliverance. In Paul's context here, it's deliverance, not from the threat of death, and we're going to get into this in the next weeks, and not really from imprisonment, although he kind of hints that, you know, that the, the Spirit might release him from that physical prison, but he's still saying, come what may. Life or death, whether I get out of these chains or not, it's all about Jesus. So actually, the deliverance that the Spirit is working in your life is the deliverance to not be ashamed and to have sufficient courage so that either way, Christ is exalted Amen. in our bodies. Thank you, Lord. Come what may, it's all about Jesus. Now, if prayer and the gift of the Spirit of fuel, then deliverance is both the journey and the destination from slavery to freedom. And that's something we're going to pick up in the next week or so. But as I wrap up, listen, what kind of God? What kind of God would allow me to be imprisoned for him? It, you consider the disciples... What was it? One, one wasn't executed, is that right? What, one disciple. Some were run through with swords. Some were hung upside down. Like, some were burned. And yet, they had this hope set before them. It's all about Jesus. Life and death, come what may. What kind of God would allow that? The kind of God who has actually released me from the real prison of sin and shame and has rescued me from death and from the threat of the destruction of hell. That's the kind of God, that's the kind of deliverance that he is working in my life. What, what prison do you need rescuing from? If you know Jesus, you might have several ways that you can identify chains and prisons in your life. Let's stand because I want to see some chains breaking. If you, if you don't know Jesus this morning, you can know him now and you can start that journey. You can have the fuel put in the tank. I, I promise you, if you know, don't know Jesus here this morning, one of those fuels has already been pumped into your life and that's the prayers of the people that people have been praying for you, guarantee 100% without fail, somebody, probably a multitude of people, have been praying for you. So that fuel is ready to go in the tank, and you just need to be filled with the spirit of Jesus Christ, 
And if that's you this morning, why don't you start that journey, get the car fueled up, get ready to go. And if you want to, come and see me. And I would love to get you started on that journey this morning by the Spirit's power, because it's all about Jesus. Whatever prison you feel that you're in, the prayer of the saints and the Spirit of Jesus Christ have more than enough power to bust you out right now. What addiction. What affliction. Come on in. Let's let's get in. We're going to worship. We're going to see some chains breaking as we're worshiping. What, What is it? What is it? Is there something blocking in your mind? Is there something that keeps pulling you back? Is there something you feel is like just wrestling you back into the old place you used to be? Break the chains this morning, not by you deciding to do it, but by you pleading the spirit of Jesus to come and smash those chains. He has provided his spirit so that come what may, it's all about Jesus. And so, Father God, We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he died on the cross and died our death, breaking the chains of death itself, absolutely destroying the boundaries of the grave so that we too may go free. Thank you that he has delivered us in every way, whatever life or death, come what may, it's about Jesus.